Hi, welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast where turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. In this podcast, I'll bring you resources, tips, interviews, and lots more to help to grow your business and make it less dependent on you. In recessionary times, the middle gets squeezed. What does that mean? So in recessionary times, generally, there's less money available, albeit right now it seems to be (laughs) the most liquid recession in living memory. And when people are uncertain, so actually let's not talk about access to capital, when people are uncertain about the future, they're less likely to spend. But when they need to make a transaction, okay, sometimes people go, money's tight, I want the cheapest. So they negotiate harder, they cut out costs. So margins are squeezed. Customers may flood to the low-cost providers, right? That makes sense. However, it's the middle that gets squeezed because actually, when people are unsure, they need to see, uh, feel a greater certainty of success. So strategy number one was super niching. Strategy number two is strategic alliances. When it's appropriate to have them written down, you only want to write it down if you value the friendship. So Chris Hughes is a very deep, close, personal friend of mine. There's an awful lot of trust there, but terms and conditions have passed backwards and forwards. Because, by the way, again, you could even say best friends. I paid him to speak. I'm not getting any fucking freebies. And he's not cheap. It's tremendous value for money. But to the extent that, even last night, I got an email which said, and he did tell me he was sending it saying, Dan, I hate you, but you know I've got to. He sent me the email that says, I need you to confirm. Please confirm that you've followed all, all COVID guidelines. Please confirm that you've done this, da, 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 right? That is good business practice for him. And if, if I was going to get uptight about that, I kind of go, I'm not respecting him as a friend because he's covering his own ass to make sure that he's been reasonably diligent, right? So, and now that doesn't mean that there's no trust, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, he said he's going to send it through, da, 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 or, or he's not raised the invoice yet, or whatever. The, the point is, it's about being clear and it's always useful to avoid fall out if it's been written down on a bit of paper. It may not need to go all the, all the way to full legal contract, but I heard it described this way recently. You think it's an agreement. It's not. It's actually a disagreement. Because the agreement basically says what happens if you fall out. Because if you're not falling out, you don't need to think about it. But actually, if you fall out, it's like, okay, here's what, here's what we agreed to. So this is what we're agreeing to be bound by mutually. Now, I'm not saying that you should have, because money is changing hands. You've put together and you've gone and got customers and therefore there's revenue coming in. Now, I'm not saying you should have gone to a lawyer to draft it. That probably is relative to the amount of revenue that we're talking about and the history and all that kind of stuff. But it absolutely categorically should be written down somewhere. So Chris and I, as it relates to this event, there was something that we misremembered and he asked me something and I was like, that's a bit weird, whatever. But anyway, we got together and we talked about it and we, we saw that there was a mixed communication and it was very friendly, very, very relaxed. But because it was all documented, it was cleared up like that and it was, no, it was no problem. And if we hadn't had that to go back to, there might have been a bit of, a, well, you said this or it wasn't this, but let's pretend it was related to fee, right? So if I thought it was five and he thought it was six and we do, but we both know that we agree, but then we get stubborn, then like, well, we're now falling out about a chunk of money. Okay, well, whenever the, whatever agreements are made, whenever we made them, he's, it is always verbal, then I'll just confirm it in an email. Always, right? And I like emails less than him, so he sends the email to me, right? But then he's like, okay, I've got, I've got it in my inbox now. Th- this is what we agreed. So if it's not as I remember, I immediately go back and say, no, no, that's not what I remember from the call. It was this. So categorically, just risk mitigation. 
it's just prudent. Like, so for example, in this COVID world, there's a lot of things going around and a lot of mixed guidance and a lot of ambiguity. So as part of the process, at one stage, somebody was questioning whether us having this meeting was, was legal. So in the end, we, we were getting conflicting advice. In the end, I made Julie call the police because I went to my lawyer my, and even my lawyer when he checked it was like, well, it depends, da, 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 this and that. Now there's been updated guidance coming out that clarified it anyway, but we didn't know. So in the end, my lawyer went, you know what? I think you're fine. I was like, great, that's really reassuring. So he said, I'd call the police. So then we called the police and then they clarified it. And it's like, yeah, it's good. As long as you stay below 30, count the people in the room right? So it's like, oh, okay, fine, uh, good. But, and then I said to Julie, I went, do we have this in writing? She went, no. I went, right, you're going to have to call them back again. Because what do you want to be? If somebody then decided to say, oh, there's a breach and da, 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 we're going to say, oh, yeah, 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 we called the police and they said this. I want a bit of paper. I need a bit of proof. Otherwise, I'm just, I could just be making it up, right? Same thing with Julie with the things of the hotel. Some things that is in email, sometimes they'll say, oh, no, we've checked this and this is this and we're doing that. Okay, I'm just going to put it in an email. Further to our conversation today, please could you just hit reply to confirm you said this. Can we just confirm that that's correct? My recollection, that's correct. Good, it's on, it's on paper. We're all good, 100%. If you, if you look up most legal spats, it turns into a he said, she said. It's a dispute about expectations. You said this. No, I didn't, right? My best friend for 10 plus years, I lent some money to and uh, we didn't document it properly and it caused a fallout. We haven't spoken since, right? So, ooh, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Um, uh, I mean, that was many years ago now. Screw him. Best friend for 10 plus years and he, he was in dire straits. I bailed him out and um, put it this way. I've learned if ever I'm lending money, there's always, always a proper legal contract. Always. Only if you want to keep the French. You know, if we'll ask for a tenner, I'm not going to get out a legal contract because he's left his wallet at home and he wants to buy a drink from the bar. I'm not going to get out a, a loan document to document a tenor. I'm just going to say yes, but that's only because I'm okay if he doesn't give it me back. Fine. So, it, so it's relative. But if it's enough money that it means something to me, I, I need to have something text message. I've got to have something that's relative just to go, okay, so we're clear. You've got to keep it clean, right? So for example, video in here. Andy's in private mastermind. He pays what everybody pays for private mastermind. It's not a, oh, well, do this and then you do this, because then it, it, if he feels like I held back and give him like a private mastermind light because it was for a mate or for a favor, or he felt like, it's, I don't know, it's like, it's, that's a contract, bang, an invoice and fees. This is a contract, bang, a quotes, agreed, great. We added something extra to it. It's like, okay, fine. It's very, very clear. So they're independent of each other. Here's an interesting thought. People say don't do business with friends uh, or family. I actually think typically um, business can work best with friends and family, right? It works better because there's an inherent trust between the friends and the family if the relationship's good. But it becomes dysfunctional when there's unrealized, unmet expectations because it's not been verbalized, it's not been documented, so it is unclear. Yeah, not just the money, always roles and responsibilities. So, a good friend of mine, another person that's advised and mentored me, a guy called Simon Inchley. So Simon spoke at Success Mastermind maybe 18 months ago. So Simon used to run a private equity fund in London. Uh, and that particular fund, which was called Gresham, used to manage 750 million, so three quarters of a billion pounds under management. And his job as MD of this private equity firm was basically, Will, to take that money and go and invest it in businesses. 
and they'll tell you that there's a lot of moving parts when you're, when you're spending, uh, I mean, if you just Google Gresham, you can see some of the companies that they bought, but if you're spending tens of or hundreds of millions of pounds buying a company, there's an awful lot of moving parts. But I suspect he would say, I believe it's fair that he had said to me, that the most pivotal thing in his mind is the person. It's the MD. It's the person that he's investing in. Right? You've seen it on Dragon's Den. I'm investing in you, blah, blah, blah. And so he's got to evaluate the person. And Simon has, in his career, invested with friends of his on many occasions. On, what, on one occasion, I'll be ambiguous as to time frame and ambiguous to industry out of respect for him because I've not asked permission to share the story. He basically put the money up to buy a business with his best friend. And when we spoke about it, he said, on the one hand, it makes me nervous because there's a risk to the relationship. But on the other hand, the reason why I did the deal with him is because I, I know him inside and out and he can absolutely run this company, except the company that they acquired. He's gonna, he'll do an exceptional job. So he said, as long as I'm clear, really clear, with the contracts, the arrangements, the terms, how the money's getting paid, by when and what, what was, what's expected of all the individuals, then it's more likely to work because it's somebody that I know well. I believe it's true to say they went to school together and Simon's now in his late 50s. So, you know, it's like I've known the person for 40 years. It's like I've done my due diligence on this person. I know how they show up in times of stress. I know, I know what's going on in their personal life so that it's stable, etc. So he's going, I'm good. We just got to be really clear about this and then it'll work. Now, that's no guarantee that it'll work. So, recession growth strategy number two is strategic alliances. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Three things you need to do now. Number one, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, get on over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity, Nine and a Half Steps to Improving Your Profits and Cash Flow. Also, join our Facebook group, the Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity community to connect with other business owners.